Church, I want to welcome all those watching online whose umbrella wasn't working today, and uh, we're glad you made it in the door here, and uh, both the auditorium and the sanctuary. Uh, there's been a little buzz about my tie, and those of you who are new to the church don't know that I'm a Kentucky fan, and this is my 3-0 and tie. Uh, I don't have a 5-0 and tie, but I got a 3-0 and tie. But anyway, uh, so it's football season, right? Uh, in the midst of all that, our God is on the move. Somebody say amen to that. God is on the move. And thank you, Melody and Choir, for that wonderful song. Let's give them a hand. Again, thank you. So as we continue this series, I'm going to jump right into it. And we're looking at the story of Peter and Cornelius. And I'm going to read a lot of scriptures to you today. So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Acts chapter 10. And if you don't have your Bible, uh, you can go to... uh, a Bible online, right? A Bible app online so you can follow along. If you can't get connected, it's Prayer Works, uh, capital P, capital W. You can go right there and read it on your phone because reading God's Word is important. Would you stand as you read together the Word of God? Acts chapter 10. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius who was a devout, uh, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter was up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. For while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. As probably some of you are listening to this reading today. What could the vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry. For I have sent them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And before you're seated, I want to add one other verse to this reading. I'll speak to it in a few minutes, but God is already speaking into it right now. It's from verse 44 of this same chapter. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. That is my prayer today. That while we are speaking these words, that the Holy Spirit is going to come and visit you. 
and move across this campus today as God invites us to be a part of his movement. Father God, we invite you to speak. Lord, we thank you for these bold words, this vision, this trance that both Peter and Cornelius received. And Lord, how this event changed the whole direction of your movement. Thank you, Father God, for inviting all of us into your movement, the kingdom of God, your kingdom, Father. So speak to us today, move in our midst, and may we have the courage to allow you to change us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. May be seated. Now, Cornelius was a commanding officer in the Roman army. And God is going to call Cornelius to be a messenger. Most Jews would have hated Cornelius. He was seen as an oppressor. He stationed in Caesarea Maritime. Caesarea means that which belongs to Caesar. It's a Roman stronghold located on the Mediterranean coast, known for extravagance and affluence. But it was from here, from this pagan place, that God would launch a movement that would outlast any emperor or any empire. God's movement always outlasts emperors and empires. Now, it says here that Cornelius was a God-fearer. Cornelius believed that there's something about this God that the Jews worship. He had rejected the Roman pagan gods and was personally seeking to know a personal God. And there's only one of those. There is only one God who is personal. There is only one God who made himself known by being born as a baby in a manger. His name was called Jesus. Now, Cornelius doesn't understand all of this, but he's seeking to know personally who God who wants to know him personally. I said this last week, and I believe it's true here today, that there are three types of people listening, whether online or in this room. There are seekers just like Cornelius that know about God, that are drawn to God, that want to experience a personal relationship with God, but they haven't gotten there yet, but they're seeking. And then there's believers listening today who are fully committed and believe in Almighty God. And then there are worshipers. Those people who are worshiping with their heart and with their mind and with their words and their song. Today, God wants to move in this place. He was a God-fearer. He was generous. He gave alms generously to God's people. It says here that God was, uh, his offering had been received by God. His gifts had been received by God as an offering. Now, a few minutes ago, you gave an offering to God. Make no mistake. What you gave this morning was a gift to God. And I would just ask you, it's already happened, but if we need to pass the plate again, we can. It's an offering to God. And does your gift express how you believe and how you feel about Almighty God? That this gift I give, God, is for your glory and your honor. I want, to, I want you to use this gift, God, to, to advance your kingdom. You know, it says it was a fragrant offering to God. A gift of generosity. 
got the attention of God. I want you to hear that. A gift of generosity got the attention of God. Our God is a generous God. He blesses us incredibly. It says also that God heard his prayers, that Cornelius prayed frequently and fervently. And he's praying at the ninth hour, which is three o'clock. And he gets this vision that he is supposed to send some other messengers to go get Peter in Joppa. I love this statement. God knew Cornelius' heart before Cornelius' heart was changed. He knows about God. He knows he wants to know God, but his heart hasn't been changed yet. We're going to get that a little later in the story. Then we come to the second messenger in the story, and that's Peter. Peter also receives a visit in the form of a trance. And Cornelius a vision, Peter a trance. I love this statement here. Jesus knew Peter's potential before Peter knew his possibilities. And there's people listening right now that God knows your potential before you know your possibilities. I want to go back into Matthew and where Peter has an encounter with Jesus in Matthew 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, a different Caesarea than where uh, Cornelius was at, but Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, ask all of them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And Peter is about to go unleash something that God wants him to unleash. He's about to go to Caesarea Maritime to do some unleashing of things that have been bound. Now again, Caesarea Philippi is also a Greek Roman city uh, known for its false gods. It's north of Jerusalem. It's the furthest north Jesus took his disciples. And it's here, in this moment, where God, through Jesus Christ, through Peter, says, I'm going to establish my church. Now, it's interesting if you look at the name here, uh, Simon Barjona. It's what Jesus said. Simon means unstable. Simon means unsteady, wavering. And maybe you're sitting here today or listening today and you feel unstable in your faith wavering in your faith, unsteady, guess what? God sees your potential. God knows what you can do despite your instability, despite being unsteady in your faith because Jesus calls him Peter long before he acted like Peter because Jesus saw his potential. You see, with a new name comes the promise of God and that gates of hell will not prevail. Even as Peter struggled with his calling and struggled with his failures, Jesus saw his potential. Jesus wants Peter not to focus on who he was, but who he's going to become. Not what he has done, but what he is going to do. And some of you are being held captive to what you've done. And God wants you to focus on what you're going to do. Someone said that the church did not believe in forgiveness, we would have gone out of business a long time ago. There's nothing that you have done that God can't forgive. And in fact, more than likely to be a part of your testimony 
to someone else who's struggling with the same thing. And you can share how the grace of God, like Peter, transformed your life. Messengers, Cornelius, Peter. How about you? Has God sent a messenger into your life? And you would not be here today unless that person has spoken God's truth to you. It happened for me uh, many years ago, almost 31 years ago, uh, on the front steps, front porch of Union United Methodist Church. It was after a service was over, and a gentleman by the name of Mr. Albert Martin. Albert was from Conway, from that was his home church. Uh, his family had been there all of his life. But Albert had moved away. He had gone to work for Sunoco, had traveled the world, had become a very successful business person. And he said to me, and before another time he had told me that he grow, grew weary of what happened at Sunoco. This is him speaking. Because they would hire these young MBAs and let go people like him. And so he kind of saw the writing on the wall. And he went and started his own company in Hemingway, South Carolina, that duplicated in a smaller scale everything that Sunoco did. And he became a multimillionaire traveled the world, made a big impact. And so he's speaking to me. And he says, Jeff, have you ever been to San Francisco? I said, no, I've never been to San Francisco. Have you ever been to New York? No, I've never been to New York. He said, you need to get out more, you know? In fact, he says, I know you love it here. The people love you here. And, you know, I, I, you know it was Lynn's hometown. It was a small membership church. I learned to hunt there. I certainly fished a lot there. I could play golf a lot there because I had a small congregation. It was a good, it was a good, it was a win-win thing as far as I could see, you know. But Albert said, Jeff, there's other things you need to do. God's got other things in store for you. You need to leave here. I'm going, okay, I didn't see that one coming. Um, but then God used Albert to speak into my heart a message. And I, again, went and talked to Lynn, and Lynn wasn't as excited as I was about Albert's message. Um, but we put our name in the hat, so to speak, to be moved from Conway. That was 31 years ago, and now we're standing here because God sent a messenger on the front porch of the steps. And thanks be to God, I listened, you know. And Lynn came along as well. So that was good, too. Uh, <laughs> I would ask you, who has God used to speak into your life? And who is God calling you to speak to about his purpose? Maybe you have somebody in mind right now. Boy, it would be amazing. Boy, it would be amazing if that person could get excited about Jesus Christ. What a difference that person would make. And you haven't said anything to them. Maybe you're the one that God wants to go and speak to that person about God's plan for their life, God's purpose. And maybe it's just a nobody. My favorite song, my ringtone on my phone is, I'm just a nobody. Every time it rings, my granddaughter starts singing, I'm just a nobody. Who's want to tell somebody about the person that changed my life. And maybe you're to go to a nobody and tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. Well, God has a method when he calls people into his movement. Um, many key moments in the Bible begin with vision and dreams. Let me just say here, I believe that everybody has dreams. Everybody here have dreams? Okay. If you're not having dreams, you know, I can tell you who you need to talk to about that. Uh, but dreams are pretty normal, right? See, we need to have dreams. Some are good dreams, some are bad dreams. Some are dreams you want to remember, some are dreams you want to forget. We all have dreams. But not everybody has a vision. Not everybody has a vision. 
But there will be times that God will speak to people through a vision. Cornelius has a vision. You know what the main difference between a vision and a dream is? A dream is when you're asleep and a vision when you're awake. Best I got. But God visits you with a vision when you're awake. Peter fell into a trance. A trance is like a dream that uh, you're awake in. It's, it's a, it's, it can be catatonic. Um, but there are accounts in the Bible where people had a trance. Uh, I've never experienced a trance. Uh, but God speaks sometimes through a trance. There are many Muslims and Africans who are testifying today that they are coming to faith in God and believing in Jesus Christ because of a dream, because of a vision, because they don't have the scriptures and God appears to them. Jesus Christ appears to them in a dream, in a vision, in a trance, and they become believers in Jesus Christ and they are changing their community and their family through Jesus Christ. God's methods to reach people are different. Now, I would say that here in our Western culture, uh, we're not as familiar with trances and visions, but we are familiar with a small, still voice where the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And God will speak to you through a small, still voice. The problem is we're too busy. And the problem is, is we got too, many, too much clutter around us. And we're not making enough time for God to speak to us. God will speak to us through a spokesperson, through a, through, through, a, through a man, through a woman. God will speak to us through sermons, through scripture, through songs, through struggles, through stories. God will speak to you through, through the same message over and over again. God is still speaking. Somebody say amen to that. And I believe that God is speaking here today. And I want you to know this, that what God speaks to you in a sign, a dream, a vision, a trance, a voice, a sermon, a scripture will never contradict Scripture. If you're hearing a voice that's contradictory to Scripture, is not consistent with Scripture, it's not from God. Okay? It will always be consistent with Scripture, and it will not be about your glory. It'll be about God's glory. It won't be to make you look good. It'll be made God look good. And you can confirm that with a trusted Christian friend. So there's a method, there's messengers, then there's a mission Picking up verse 21, so Peter went down and said, I am the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout, God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed them to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the man to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea. The following day, Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Now there's so much here. Again, Cornelius is a God-fearer. He doesn't yet have the gospel. He falls on his knees and worships Peter. And Peter said, no, no, no. I'm not who you worship. This is not about me. Now, in the mission, uh, there's three things here I want to lift up. Uh, first is uh, what we call a short-term mission trip. Peter took short-term mission trips. In fact, he has left Jerusalem to go to Joppa. Somebody say Joppa. I love Joppa. Joppa, right? He goes to Joppa. And if you didn't hear Carolyn Moore's sermon last week, incredible sermon on why, God, why Peter went to Joppa to raise Tabitha from the dead. It's a great story. But while he's in Joppa, 
he gets these visitors, and now he takes a short-term mission trip to uh, Caesarea Maritime. Now, some of you in the room here know what that is, to take a short-term mission trip. In fact, we got a team right now on the ground in Samoa, Western Samoa, and it's a long trip. Uh, it's a trip. It's, it takes a long time to get there. Lynn and I made that trip a few years ago. Uh, you, you land in, in Honolulu, which is a great thing, but then you get on a plane and fly 10 hours to Western Samoa. But you get back in 10 days. It's a short-term mission trip. But then you got Cornelius. Cornelius is on mission for God in his home. He never left his home. He sent messengers from his house to go get Peter, but he stayed at home. And he was generous. He was helping the poor. And there are some of you that aren't going to go on a mission trip. You're not going to go on a short-term mission trip, but you're going to help others go on short-term mission trips through your generosity. And, you're, and, and, and so I want you to know that just because you don't go on a trip doesn't mean God can't use you. God uses Cornelius in a powerful way in the movement of God. And God is, should be using all of you in his movement, whether you're at home or whether you're on a short-term mission trip. Now, you will fast forward to Paul next week, but Paul went on long-term mission trips. He was gone for two or three years at a time, long-term mission trips. So God has a mission for all of us, whether we're at home or whether we're going on the road for a short time. Now, in this trance that Peter had, in this mission that God calls him to, you know, as we see God moving, in this trance, you know, you go back to it, it there, there is a sheet that comes down from heaven that's filled with animals. And for Peter, at being a good Jew, uh, some were allowed to be consumed under Mosaic law and some were not clean. And after this vision and his visit with Cornelius, this trance, Peter will understand that the dietary restrictions of the Mosaic law have been lifted and, and, and Gentiles can be accepted into the faith. They can accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's a hard thing to swallow if you're a devout Jew. But this is the development of the mission of God, the movement of God, to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to Joppa to Caesarea Maritime to the ends of the earth. The mission. Now, why don't we go on the mission? Why, do we don't, why don't we cross the street? Why don't we leave our house to be in mission for God? Well, I think perhaps we have some preconceived prejudices. That we think that people don't believe the message. They won't believe me. They're not open to the message. I can't tell you how many times that people have come to me and said, you know, I'm praying for my neighbor, I'm praying for my friend, I'm praying for my coworker, that they'll be open to the message. You might be waiting a long time to be open to the message. You need to speak the message that God lays on your heart and let God do the rest. Amen? God will change people's hearts and lives if you will speak what he's given you to speak. A preconceived prejudice. How about a premeditated prejudice that they don't deserve the gospel? Okay. And while he was speaking, <laughs> I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to move. Amen? So if somebody, if God's trying to get your attention... He just did, right? Is there somebody in your life that you think they don't deserve the gospel because you're mad at them? You're angry. You're bitter. 
And because of your bitterness, they're not getting better. They're not hearing the gospel. Who do you need to share the gospel with that you don't want to? You know, Luke tells this story three times in the book of Acts. Three times he repeats this story. So are you, do you have a preconceived prejudice, a premeditated prejudice, or do you want to be prepared to go tell the gospel? Be prepared. I believe today God is preparing someone to go and tell the gospel. See, the movement of God is not centripetal. Say that word with me, centripetal. I worked on that. Centripetal, it is centrifugal. Centripetal is an inward force that pulls you in. Let me just be clear about Mount Horeb. Our purpose at Mount Horeb is not just to pull people into the church. Our purpose is not to pull people into the seats, into the programs. Now, there's a place in Scripture we are called to come and see. You know, when I came here 30 years ago, uh, the first request I got as new pastor was to go try to get the inactive people to come back to church. Can you go get the people that used to come to come back to church? That's centripetal. They go pull them back in. And you talk about the hardest people to reach. <laughs> it's people that don't want to be reached because they left for a reason, right? But that's centripetal. And so Mount Horeb was a great little church, but it was very centripetal in, the, in that it was, it was focused inward. But Jesus is calling us to be an outward movement. Centrifugal is an outward force. You know, as I was over in the auditorium earlier, watching people run in from the rain, <clears throat> I saw a lot of centrifugal force. I saw people shaking their hair, getting the water out of the house. I saw umbrellas doing this here. The water was going everywhere. We had somebody with a mop, mopping up the floor. People were coming in. A centrifugal thing going on. You know, centrifugal is not always safe. Uh, the, the Great Commission is a centrifugal commission. It starts in Jerusalem and goes to the ends of the earth. You know, I think Trevor mentioned this over in the auditorium. And probably some of his crowd would not get this, but most of you in this room would. How, do you, how many of you remember the merry-go-round, right? Yeah. Are you got the merry-go-round? That's good. I thought they outlawed those things. They should outlaw those things. Those things are dangerous. You know, a merry-go-round will, will hurt you, right? Because it is based on centrifugal force, you know? And you start spinning around and around and around, and the whole purpose of the person spinning you around and around and around is to throw you off so you can get hurt, right? Uh, and you can fall and, and hurt yourself. Centrifugal can be dangerous. Jesus' life was totally centrifugal. He left heaven to come meet us where we are, and what did he get? A cross. <laughs> centrifugal can be a bit dangerous to step out. And, you know, here's Peter going out into, and going into a cesspool, going into the Roman-occupied city of Caesarea uh, Maritime where the same Romans that had crucified Jesus, he goes in there, because God called him to go in there. Centrifugal can be dangerous. You know, I, I think we should invite people to come to church. But the main thrust of the church is to take the gospel to the streets. Whenever Peter went to Joppa, don't you think he was thinking about somebody else? He, he was an Old Testament scholar. He knew the Old Testament. Who, was he th who else went to Joppa? Anybody? Come on, you Bible scholars. Who went to Joppa? Who ran to Joppa? Because they didn't want to do what God wanted them to do. Jonah ran to Joppa because he did not want to bring anybody. He didn't want those Ninevites to come, to, to come to back to faith to God. So he ran to Joppa. Yet Peter runs to Joppa because God's got a mission for him. 
And only Joppa, he leaves Joppa to go to Caesarea Maritime because God has got a mission. Now, God also has a message. And I'm not going to read all this text. You can read it later on your Bible app or in your Bible at home. Uh, But verses 28 through uh, verse 43. But Peter says in verse 34, he says, I can see very clearly to Cornelius and to his household, all of his friends and family gathered there. I can see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Somebody say amen to that. God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. God wants to reach those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And then he begins to basically give a message that's centered on the person of Jesus. Jesus said it this way in Mark 7, reading from the message. Jesus called the crowd together again and said, Listen now, all of you, take this to heart. It's not what you swallow that pollutes your life. It's what you vomit. That's the real pollution. Basically, what Peter is saying in this vision, this this sermon, this message, is that eating the right things won't make you right. Having pure food doesn't make pure people. But what's in your heart makes you right with God. Aren't you glad that Jesus cleanses the unclean? Aren't you glad? You know, I'm not in the cleaning business. Basically, I'm to go and tell the story. Jesus Christ saves people. He he calls us to be fishers of men, to catch fish. And guess what? When when, When we catch fish, what does he do with them? He cleans them. He cleans them. We're not in the cleaning business. Thanks be to God that he has the power to take a bucket of grace and love and wash a person clean, make them white as snow. And prepares them for his purposes. You know, we see the light come on for Peter when he begins to realize that Jesus is the Lord of all, including Gentiles like Cornelius. A light bulb comes on and says, man, this is for everybody. It's not just for my people. This is for everybody. And while the message was sent through Israel, Peter begins to see the message is for all people. And in this text that I I want you to read later, basically Peter's message is summed up by Luke. And he said, well, I don't know what to say to people. Basically, if you could take Peter's message here in these verses, you could put them in four tweets. Some of you tweet. I've seen you on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. Um, And you could take the message of Jesus and put it in four tweets, the gospel. What did he talk about? He talked about the birth of Jesus, born of a virgin, the baptism of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, the miracles of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and victory over evil, all brought about and predicted by the Old Testament prophets. That's it. Can you tell that story? Can you tell the story that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin without sin? That he did miracles, signs and wonders? That he was arrested and he was crucified on the cross and three days later he rose from the dead? And it gave, it gave us victory over death? And all this is predicted in the Bible in the Old Testament? That's the story. And people need to hear that story. People want to hear that story. And God wants you to go and tell people that message, that story. And now we come to the moment of truth. My last point. While Peter was still speaking these words, 
the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. And they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days while he was still preaching. It should be the, the, the dream of every pastor that God would stop his sermon and say, enough is enough. Now let me do what I do. I think one of the uh, most unproductive hours or moments in the church is at the end of a pastor's sermon. Because we don't trust God to do what only God can do. So today, in a few minutes, I want to make time for God to do what God can do. The Holy Spirit falls. You know, we see Cornelius saved. He had heard about God. Now he meets God personally. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He and his entire household are saved. They're baptized. We see a major shift in the movement of God to a whole different part of the world. And we see the continued conversion of Peter. I want you to hear that because God is not through with you in this room. We see the continued conversion of Peter. Peter had his eyes open to what else God wanted to do. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online, God wants to open your eyes to what he's still going to do. He's not done. He still wants to work through you. John Wesley said it this way, salvation is that process that begins with the first dawning of grace in our souls and continues until we are perfected in glory. Will you invite God to show you a dream? To give you a vision? To put you in a trance? To open up his word so you can see it in a new way, in a fresh way? So how can you be a messenger in the movement of God? As we prepare for a time of prayer, I, I, I want to suggest these things to you this morning. And this is going to lead us into a time of prayer. If, if I look at Peter and Cornelius, here's what you and I need to do. Number one, be available. Will you be available to God today? One of our most important abilities is availability. Peter was available. I got nothing else on my calendar, God. You want, me to go to, you want me to go to Caesarea Maritime, the cesspool of the Roman occupation in the Mediterranean? I'll go. I'm I don't think I got anything else to do, God. But how many of us say to God, I'll do it later? I've got some things I got to do first. If you want to be part of the movement of God, you got to be available. Secondly, you got to be attentive because God is going to speak to you. Today, God is speaking to somebody in this room or online. God is speaking to you. You got to be attentive. You got to make time for the Lord. You got to be intentional in attention your prayers. You got to be silent before the Lord. You got to be available. You got to be attentive and you got to be obedient. You know, it's one thing to be available and to be attentive and then you don't do anything with it. You got to be obedient. You know, partial disobedience is still disobedience. Well, I came to church. Well, yeah, you're obedient there, but, you, but you're still not doing what God wants you to do. God wants you to go and be a part of his movement. 
And then you need to be humble. You're always going for God's glory, not your glory. Cornelius was humble. He bowed before Peter. He, he was humble. He wanted to be used by God. Sometimes God can't use us because we can't get out of our way. And then you got to be patient. you got to be patient. So can I pray for you right now this morning? Can we pray for the Holy Spirit to come in a powerful way for someone listening today? And as we pray together, the altar is open, and we're going to sing a song in a minute. You can come throughout this time and kneel at the altar. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you don't want them to receive the gospel. You don't, you don't want to be the one to take them the gospel. But God is saying, you, yep, yep, you. Or maybe you have been a seeker. You've heard about God, but you don't know God personally. But today you can. So this morning, I want to pray for you to be available to God. God, here I am. I'm available. I got nothing on my schedule today. I'm available. Lord, I want to be attentive to you. I want to hear your voice. I want, to, I want to hear you speak. I want the words to jump off the page. I want the songs to stir my heart. I want to be attentive, Lord. And Lord, help me be obedient. Help me to not just hear this. Help me to go. Get up right now. Don't hesitate. Move out. Move forward. Be obedient. And Lord, in the midst of all of this, keep me humble. Lord, be humble for your glory, for your purpose. And Lord, let me be patient to know that this is a long plan. For Lynn and I, it began many, many years ago, and I thank you for sending Elbert Martin on the front porch of that church that told me it was time to go. And now here we are 30-some years later. And Lord, I see you working in powerful ways. Thank you, Father God, for what you're doing. Lord, I just pray you would continue to move in our hearts and minds as we, as we ask for you to be our vision, to give us a vision, give us a dream of what you want us to do. Not just who you want us to be, but what you want us to do and where you want us to go for your glory. And I ask this in Jesus' name. You know, the story of Peter and Cornelius is still being played out today. The names and the settings change, but the pattern remains the same. I've been reading a book called uh, Acts and the Movement of God. It's a great book. And the author, Steve Addison, tells the story of a mission team that was trekking and praying through the mountain region of the Horn of Africa. And they go into one Muslim community, the head of the village, Abu Yassim, invited them into his home for a coffee ceremony. As he entered his home, he said to his four-year-old son, Isa, Isa, shoot the calf out of the house so it doesn't disturb our guests. Get the cow out of the living room. And the missionary says, why did you name your boy Isa? Because Isa is Arabic for Jesus. And Abu explained, four years ago, my wife was pregnant. And in a vision, a man came to me in white and said, I am Isa. And one day I will send someone from across the ocean to tell you my story. Believe that man. And as a sign to you, this is true. Your wife will give birth tonight. And it will be a son. And you will name your son 
after me, Isa. And Abu looked at Gary, the missionary, and says, why did it take you four years to get here? There are people waiting for you to go. Some of them have been waiting a long time. Somebody you just heard about a moment ago, whenever that bolt of lightning came and God spoke to you. Don't make him wait four years. They may not have four years. God's calling you to go.